to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. The Star Wars Sessions podcast. Part of the team loves a good Star Wars session. Absolute legends of Star Wars Sessions. This is the way, this is the way. Please welcome your hosts, Matt Hudson and Luke Bly. This is when fun begins. Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the galaxy and welcome to Star Wars Sessions. Come for the Star Wars, stay for the Sessions. My name is Matt Hudson, aka Jabba the Hud, and joining me, as ever, in the cockpit of the Essex Falcon, he's the greatest Star Wars man, fan and buddy out there, the King of Gregs, it's Master Blywalker, Luke Bly, how are you my friend? Oh, the King of Gregs, I will take that every day mate, I will take, do you know what though, I haven't been to Gregs this week. No? So far. Yeah, I haven't been to Greg since... Do you know what? Since our last week's show, I've we have not to been that. to Greg. I do need to change that. I, you know what? I'm going to set my alarm early, 6am, be like, oh, flipping it. Oh, I need to go to Greg's, mate. Nah, mate, listen, mate, boy, I'm good. How on earth are you, mate? You, you all right? I am good, mate. I am I am very well. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of something witty to say, but all I can see is an empty packet of Reese's chocolate, and I feel so bad, but... Man, I'm like you and me, a kindred spirit when it comes to uh, peanut butter covered in chocolate. I've been a naughty boy and I had a Reese's. And I've got a beerio. I've got a big beerio with me today. Oh, and go on. I've got a, a leffer, or leffy, leffy, a blonde. I do like a blonde but beer. Um, <laughs> it's a big old one. It's like a pint and a half and it's wonderful. I know the ones. What, mm. just the classic one, the blonde one? Yes, yeah, so I had uh, I had a brune, a brown one the other day. But I've been, I, I love the nectar. Like the honey bite beer, but yeah. I haven't had that anywhere in ages. So That's I've got that with me today, ready for us a cracking show. However, I do believe you're coming tanked up as well. Yeah, I'm tanked up, mate. I got a cheeky Fuller's ESB Champion Ale. Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back, mate. <laughs> do you do you know what though? You know what? Hey, there we go. Oi, listen, hang on. Let me open up so I can have a drink. There we go. Come on, right. Uh, execution. Are. There we go. Mm. beautiful that's how we start the show right right. quick story time with luke blywalker this was actually my dad's favorite beer and it like his favorite just off the shelf beer and they always stock it they usually stock it in sainsbury's right and that's a supermarket over here in the uk Mm -hmm. for our international listeners and um man i'm uh, it, it gives me so much nostalgia because it usually goes off the shelf real quick because, like, the beer geeks love this beer and it's really sought after. So I am having that tonight, matey, and all my days will I need it because the spice on this week's show is crazy. It's crazy. It's real. I haven't had a fullest for ages, mate, but I suppose we better get charged those glasses because we have uh, some more good news regarding our patrons, don't you, mate? We do, mate. Hang on. Sorry, mate. There was a delay there. I dropped my cap on the floor. There we go. I got it back. That's right. Did, cat. did Matt say something about good news? He did. Another yeah. happy landing. <clears throat> it is another happy landing, Matty boy, because we got another patron. Big shout out to our latest patron, Brian Garcia, who's joined at the This Where the Fun Begins tier. You naughty boy. Welcome to the session, sickheads, Brian. Yes, welcome to the squad. Uh, you know what I'm going to say? Enjoy that content, mate. Past, present, future. You've got a journal this month where Luke entertains two females in his life, and it's incredible. 
uh, Jibber Jabbers has dropped where I'm talking about the, the what ifs. What if this person had been cast instead of that person based on rumour? Good fun. We've got a podcast coming as well. Plus, you've been entered into the Dark Saber draw as well. So, lucky fella, I say. Um, Brian, thank you so much for signing up. Yeah, absolute legend, man. We've got so much content on there. More coming. It's going to be a filth fest. It will be. And to celebrate, I can hear the chimes of Big Ben Kenobi, which can only mean one thing, mate. I think, Matt, it can only mean it's a galactic news round. In celebration of Lucasfilm's 50th anniversary, beloved characters included Jackson and Kirkanos from Star Wars books and comics will join the Black Series figure line. Star Wars is making Dirge, one of its deadliest bounty hunters, canon again, with an appearance in the latest comic issue of Doctor Aphra. The 1980s Ewok movies and the 2003 Clone Wars series are coming to Disney Plus in April 2021. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played Gecko the Bounty Hunter for The Mandalorian, and you are listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. Uh, this week, like I said, we're going to charge our glasses. We've got a filth fest. We're farming the filth. This week, we are we are throwing in a bit of a curveball, and we're going to go um, on a little deep dive. We enjoy doing these every now and then. Uh, and in this episode, we're talking about the Japanese influences, specifically on The Last Jedi, and also just Japan's relationship with The Last Jedi. Of course, we're going to mention the obvious elephant in the room, you know, George Lucas's love affair with Japanese film. But we thought this would be a... Uh, a pretty wicked thing to deep dive in. And we've been quite excited about this one, haven't we, mate? Yeah, man. I've been so excited to do this show. And I dropped this as a, as a thought down in our little uh, sessions headquarters many moons ago. Because this actually dates back. And I've got to give credit to my brother, James, here. Big up, James Bly, Sir Cabbage, on the deck, Remix. Um... Because when we went and saw The Last Jedi, we saw it on the Friday night, which was our traditional night. We, we saw it as a big squad. And the day after, my brother and I were with each other. We were out and about. And that morning, my brother was like, man, The Last Jedi was so Japanese. you know." And I was still processing everything, as you do with The Last Jedi, right? Of you course. know, there's a lot going on in that film. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, I was processing it. Now, my brother was, dare I say, I think my brother liked the film uh, almost instantly. And it was mostly because of all these Japanese references that we're going to dive into going forward. And basically, since my brother spoke about that in 2017, you know, I've been on these Reddit forums. I've seen these videos on the Internet. You know, there's so much information uh, that's available to us geeks that we can dissect all of these things. And basically what we would we thought we'd do is consolidate all of this information that we've discovered that we like and actually add our own little spin and spice to it. Right, Matt? That's it, mate. Yeah, we've um, obviously been a film geek. I'm, a, I'm aware of quite a lot of the references and also throughout the saga as well. So this was fun for me to be able to be like, you know what? 
I know. I, I've I've noticed these. I've seen the films that we're going to reference, and yes, they are massive homages. But none of them. There's no rip-offs here. I mean, there's nothing here which is just kind of intended to be a straight-off lift-up of that. Everything here feels, and this is in Star Wars, even in the OT where it's more glaring, feels like a, a loving kind of tip of the cap to those films. And look, every single filmmaker takes something from someone else. And we're not just talking Tarantino. Every filmmaker takes inspiration from another film, from another filmmaker. It's what happens. You take something, you run with it, and you make it your own. And our boy George Lucas did that, didn't he, mate? George Lucas, yeah. uh, when he went to film school, he was introduced to the films of um, Akira Kurosawa, one of the leading lights in Japanese cinema. And from seeing Kurosawa's films, George Lucas w- was basically given all the inspiration he needed to make Star Wars. He uh, he went and watched a film called uh, Hidden Figures in um, 19... Hidden Fortress, sorry. Hidden Figures is a film from two years ago. I was going to say, that's Fortress. about the NASA... It is. It's a good film, that was, as well. great film. I Um, saw that in the pictures, actually, with Winnie and Arely, funnily enough. (laughs) Journal of Luke Blark, patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. Um, Yeah, yeah, this this film came out in 1958. And basically, the film was about a couple of geezers who rescue a princess from a domineering uh, evil empire, basically. And there's a wise samurai along with them. What does that sound like? It is a new hope. George Lucas has got no bones about it. He saw Hidden Fortress. He made his own version of it, basically. But, you know, he's seen that. He saw Seven Samurai, which is excellent. It's very long. It's three and a half hours. It's incredibly good. But Rashomon comes out. That's what kickstarts the whole thing in terms of Japanese cinema in the West. Um, but there's other uh, influences as well, which I'll mention. But if, if George Lucas hadn't watched the films of Akira Kurosawa, you wonder what the world would have been like, mate, because he gave us THX. We got American Graffiti. Imagine if... You know, he hadn't seen those films. He hadn't seen Hidden Fortress and didn't make Star Wars. Right, right. It'd be a very different world, Matt. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy. But, you know, I always think, just going back to your original point, you know, art is always an imitation of something. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something that people, you know, figured out thousands of years ago that there's nothing ever truly original. Something is always a spin on something and that's how influence works. And even with Akira Kurosawa himself, um, he was actually influenced by American filmmaker, John Ford, you know, who created and directed many classic Westerns. Yes. And that's decorated director in Oscar history. Really? I didn't know that. Didn't know that. Well, four, back, four best directors and nominal, and he's got five Oscars on his mantle. Four for best director. That's John Ford, yeah. Yep, he's a wow. he's a yeah, revisionist. He's not the nicest guy, but he knew how to make a film. Right, right. And when we look at the work here, you know, John inspiring Akira, Akira inspiring George, and George's world inspiring, and you know, being uh, taking forward, taken forward in forms of the Mandalorian, which in itself is a space Western, you know, it's crazy how you see this lineage of rich culture, this history, you know, this is just heritage. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, so much of that is from the Americas, right? Particularly the USA. Um, It's from Britain and it's from Japan and many other places too. And like uh, I think I mentioned a few episodes back, you know, all of the architecture that we look at in Star Wars, it's all Arab architecture. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's just with a spin on it, with a space spin on it. But whenever they're making stuff like Galaxy's Edge, man, they're looking at Marrakesh, Istanbul, Jerusalem. Yeah, Jeddah in Rogue One looks well like Jerusalem. But anyway, Ooh, it's, it's those you know, bustling marketplaces, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and and even the domed roofs and whatnot. Yeah, they're, you know, they're they're a lot more like mosques than churches, mm-hmm. and. I don't know. It, it, it's just so cool to look at how cultures can influence this mythology. And I'm, I'm really excited to get into this. Well, I see it, mate. Well, we mentioned George Lucas and his adoration for uh, the work of Kurosawa. Here's the man himself before we go any further. This is what George himself has to say about Kurosawa. I grew up in a small town, Central California, and the movie theaters there didn't show... Uh, you know, much beyond uh, Bridge on the River Kwai and The Blob. So I didn't really experience foreign films until I found my way into film school. And um, at that point is when I was actually exposed to Kurosawa. And um, a friend of mine, John Milius, actually was a huge fan of Kurosawa's. And um, so whenever the film was showing, you'd say, oh, you got to come and see this. You've got to come and see this. And after the first one, I mean, the first one I saw was Seven Samurai. And after that, I was completely hooked. I said, you know, this is really, this is really good. Yeah, John Milius is the key to all of this. But yeah, George saw one film. It matched his sensibilities and what he wanted to uh, put across as a filmmaker. Yeah. And from that, Star Wars is born, Seven Samurai. Then he goes to watch Hidden Fortress. A New Hope is born from that. But, um, I mean, the Jedi were space-based samurai, as we know, uh, that we've seen in the Kurosawa films, like Seven Samurai in particular. Well, we know that, uh, I also mentioned this on Jibber Jabber, that Toshiri Mifuno, who's basically Kurosawa's dude, he was in about 15 of his films. He was, you know, tapped up to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. He didn't want to do it because he didn't want to get typecast in a way but also he thought it might be a bit silly but disrespectful to the samurai if he became a space samurai mm. but um but we meant the name the word jedi comes from the japanese word uh jedi gekai it's not it's obvious jedi jedi that's where george got it from and it's amazing uh watching those older films and seeing all of those influences and it's obviously we're going to be talking about the last Jedi, but you kind of can't you kind of can't go into the last Jedi without talking about what came before, can you? Man? Right, right. It's almost it would almost be disrespectful not to mention it because there's that's where all of the inspiration originally came from. And we could do a whole episode on that, you know, just on its own. Mm. Um, but I thought, you know, there's so much in the Last Jedi specifically that is clearly influenced by Japanese culture. Now, when we look at projects like The Force Awakens, Rogue One, Solo, they all have their own influences, as we've just said. But The Force Awakens uh, particularly, it feels like, well, that's inspired by the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. Now, what's funny is the original trilogy was inspired by other things, and we're moving into projects now that are going back to that route and maybe, you know, from a certain point of view, it might actually come across a little bit more authentic. Mm-hmm. And I think when we, when we do- dive into this, it's worth noting, right, that um, Star Wars generally struggles in Asia 
Yeah. It doesn't do that well in Asia, particularly China, right? We're Star Wars and Lucasfilm are desperately trying to do well in China with their films. We know that, right? The Force Awakens, for example, is still a bigger film in the United States than Avengers Endgame. Yeah. And Avatar, right? So you can see where in, in the, in America, and other places, Star Wars is a lot more of a strong pop culture uh, giant than, than you know, other IPs. But really, it's lacking in China. But what's interesting, Japan stands out, just like it does actually within Asia. Japanese culture is actually quite separate. And it's kind of that island mentality in a lot of ways. You can compare it to the UK. The UK is actually can be quite different to our european cousins despite the fact we have so much in common we do things in in crazy ways and and it's an island mentality right britain and japan both drive on the left side of the road you know we're crazy we're mental (laughs) um and it's you know that dates back to old things any but anyway it's worth knowing that star wars is actually quite popular in japan Right. So it doesn't necessarily do well in China and other markets, but in Japan, Star Wars does very well. And I feel, Matty Boy, that is, you know, mostly because this story resonates so well with Japanese people and with Japanese culture. Japanese culture, you're spot on, mate, because of the fact that the original trilogy has its roots so deeply embedded in popular Japanese cinema and a mainstream cinema of the time, of course it's going to translate well over there. I mean, again, we're not saying every single person in Japan likes it, but it's big, man. This has got Star Wars has a following. You know, they, uh, God bless the Japanese. They are, they're a great bunch. They were, I, I, I'd love to go to Japan and go to one of their conventions because it just seems like so much fun. And they, the, Japan gets pop culture and thankfully for Star Wars, they get it. Yeah. I mean, Star Wars is a very kind of seems to be like a very Western uh, IP. But then you go to the Southern Hemisphere, it's popular in places like Australia as well. So it's not just over here. And Japan has clung on to it as well, as everything you've just said is correct. You know, in China, they're trying their damnedest to get somewhere, but not quite at the minute. But um, at least we know that the the Japanese watched those old films and were like, you know what? Well done, George. You've bought our the work of one of our best filmmakers to life here in space. So to me, mate, that's a win-win. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, you know, we've talked about the original trilogy and George Lucas. We've talked about the Japanese and, you know, by no means are we trying to cover, you know, all of Japan, Japan's uh, culture and history in this episode. And like Matty Boy said, it's a place that um, I'm hoping to go to in the, in the coming years, hopefully. Um, in fact, we know some of our listeners. I know King of Malta. He's been there. I think he's been there yes. a few times. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, so, yeah, hopefully you guys can appreciate that we're doing this from like a almost like a distance point of view, right? And so, yeah, take it with a grain of salt. But we're, man, I can't wait to get stuck in. Matty Boy, The Last Jedi and Japanese Influences. <laughs> BB-8 
Yeah, you love a pork over there. Love, yes, that is from the uh, sixteen-second The Last Jedi TV spot in Japan. It's great. It's wicked. The uh, the text translates to um, her name is Ray, and she'll save the galaxy with the power of the Force. And that sounds a lot um, like that sounds like something I'd seen in a lot of other Japanese films. That kind of exuberance and energy just in the words they're using there. Uh, so yeah, well, great little. Uh, TV spot there for The Last Jedi. And we now wanted to talk about the inspiration of Japanese filmmaking and cinema on Ryan Johnson's film. So we've done, we've covered The Last Jedi, you know, extensively. This isn't a review of the film for those who are new to the show. We've got plenty of other episodes on that. This is how has Japanese film influenced The Last Jedi. And I, I knew some of them just from visually watching it and film. There's quite a lot, though, isn't there, mate? From what we've been looking into and what we've been checking out, there's more. There's a lot more than meets the eye, and some are quite subtle as well, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's not always, you know, bang in your face, and you can definitely see the similarities here. Like it, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy in some ways, and there are parts of the internet that are actually saying that Ryan Johnson copied these things. Now, no. what what we've gone over. And, and said earlier is that, well, you know, art is always an imitation. Yeah. There's nothing truly original, right? And everybody learns from somewhere and does something that imitates that. Like the Mandalorian armor echoes a medieval knight's armor, right? And the Jedi echoes the samurai. Han Solo is clearly a cowboy. Yeah. yeah. A dog. Do you know what I mean? Like, it goes on and on and on and on, right? So anyway, anyway, Matty Boy, we're going to have to tap into your uh, film knowledge here, dude. Um, Rashomon, is that the correct pronunciation here? Rashomon? Never heard of it, mate. No? Yes, it is. Yeah, Rashomon, is, <laughs> it is the pronunciation. That was the first Kurosawa film that made it big, if you will, in, in the West. Right, right. And it's saying here, that Rashomon really inspired some scenes from The Last Jedi. Um, imagine, Matty Boy, I'm, I'm a noob. I don't know what's going on. Tell me how this film is influencing Star Wars Episode Eight, The Last Jedi. And I'm going to have a little swig of my ESB. My you get, Empire, you, you get your back. Empire Strikes Back out there, mate. And do you know what? Matt, Matty Boy, I'm sorry. I've actually got some Reese's Cups with me as well. I don't know why... This podcast is plugging Reese's all of a sudden. We've gone from Greg's sponsors. I would say other peanut butter covered chocolate bars are available, but they really aren't. So, uh, so yeah, Kit Reese's. Kit Kat chunky peanut butter is all right. Yeah, I know. I, right, I, I worked Reese's. on the marketing campaign for that and I had to pretend I liked it. I didn't. Um, what? Reese's, Reese's is what it's all about, mate. What do you mean um, you worked on the marketing campaign? I used to work for Nestle way back when, mate. <laughs> no, I was, I was, be, I, I was behind a team who got the Kit Kat caramel. Um, was it Kit Kat Caramel? Yeah, it was. Um, on the side of the South Bank. And we're, at the same time, we had Round Trees Randoms coming out. This this took a side swipe. At the same time as Whisper Gold. And everyone thought, our oh, Whisper Gold will, will outsell Round Trees Randoms. No, we outsold those punks three to one. Yeah. Oh, wow. Our marketing got them over the line. So um, there you go. Um, history with Jibba Jabba. Um, Jibba Jabba. Right. Rashomon, on, though, yeah. yeah. Rashomon. Tell me about it. Tell me all about it. in a nutshell... Uh, and I'll begin. I won't get any spoilers, but Rashomon is a film which deals with, um, 
uh, unreliable witnesses. So people have witnessed an assault. It's an assault of a violent nature. And the people who are the eyewitnesses each have their own different interpretation of how it went down in a nutshell. Now, you look at Luke Skywalker when Ray says, you know, what happened at the temple? He said, oh, I, I went to see if Ben was all right. He woke up and dropped a hut on me. And then Ben Sky, Ben Solo, Carlo Ren says, no, but I woke up and Luke Skywalker had a look on his face like he's going to kill me. And he came to swipe on me. So I did it in self-defense. And then mm. Luke's like, well, actually, no, I went to see him. I did ignite the saber. Didn't want to kill him. It was just a rash decision. And I, I saw the eyes of a scared boy. And it's basically the... Uh, differing accounts depending on what people want to hear and depending on who's telling them the Rashomon effect it's called um so that is how TLJ borrows from that film in a big way it's not a direct riff you know you don't you, you won't watch Rashomon and be like oh yeah that's exactly the same as the last Jedi but the idea and the foundation is, is spang on and it's brilliant because that's always one of the things from the last Jedi that I admired the most actually out of the film and in in preparation for this episode my boy i actually did go back and watch the last jedi this weekend thoroughly enjoyed it actually in in fact actually yeah man in fact it might have actually been one of my most enjoyable viewings of episode eight ever wow yeah based on just 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 just, you just sunk in and just let it you know let it absorb into you yeah and i think as well just like knowing what comes with the sequel trilogy like i know everything now it almost feels a bit more chill and you know there are still things that i don't like about the film but (laughs) but there is also things that i like i let slide a lot more just seem a bit normal but i tell you what mate matt that was our cross between matt and matt hi matt matt um Listen, mate, there are things in that film that I think are well cheesy. There are some cheesy lines in The Last Jedi. And like, they don't need to be there. They don't need to be there. Like, literally, all you need to do is remove a certain word from some lines, and, and it would be so much better. Mm-hmm. But, anyway, right, mate. but anyway, when I was watching that, I did think, man, this film is is... It, it does feel a bit like an anime in places, in a good way, in a good way. Yeah, and, we'll yeah, get, yeah. and we will get to that, right? Um, but, dude, um, the Luke stuff, the perspective, I thought was genius. And I actually thought that from day one. It was very interesting because, once again, mate, is that in this case, it is art imitating real life. Yeah, because that's exactly why we have courts, right? in in most of the world is because from a certain point of view that's the truth and from a certain point of view that's the truth and what i actually got from this viewing is that you know what we see going on in 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 the last jedi with luke's and and kylo's initial confrontation is literally the physicality of that line that we get from obi-wan a certain point of view. We are seeing that actually play out in real life. And I think the the fact that, you know, I've never thought of that before. I've never made that link. And yet, you know, you and I have even spoken outside of the podcast about like this specific, the, these scenes, mm-hmm. the Rashomon, um, you know, inspiration here or whatever it is. You know, we've spoken about that, but I've never thought of this like physical, um, 
yeah, I, I, this physicality of that expression, you know, I thought that was interesting. But the Rashomon things, it's crazy. It's crazy. When you think of how old that film is, I think it's oh, marvellous. Oh, man, there's, there are... Ryan Johnson is ran with the Kurosawa, and he's also um, massively, massively ran with the um, Hayao Miyazaki inspiration as well. All over this film, he's even said that himself. Um, right. But in terms of Kurosawa... Uh, there's a film called um, Kagamusha, which is known for having these deep, like piercing reds. It's a very colourful film, but the reds are very, very um, piercing, like The Last Jedi, like in Snoke's Throne Room. That's got more than a passing whiff of Kagamusha. Um, there's um, the film Ran. That is also uh, an, an homage to the Battle of Crate in terms of the way they use colours. So when you've got the speeders which are you know darting through the the salt and the red sprays coming up and in the end it just looks there's white and red and everything yeah. everywhere that's very um very very reminiscent of a film we did called Ran which is from 1985 I think which I watched recently for an, uh, another show I do astrology uh, great film if you can get hold of it watch it it's a lot most of Kurosawa's films are long but they're worth it um, mm. and rewatching that which kind of coincided almost with us doing this episode. I was like, well, that was a handy coincidence because watching this, I can see the last Jedi inspiration or uh, inspiration for the last Jedi here. And I love, but it never feels like a straight up lift. I think a lot of the people online may just be saying that for some, you know, nefarious reason against Ryan, but listen, every filmmaker lifts stuff. And Ryan Johnson has said that Miyazaki, uh, sorry, Akira, the film Akira inspired Looper which again is a wonderful film. Mm. Uh, Looper. I, I like Takira. So it, it's, um, I don't think it's a bad thing. If you could take a, a an influence, no. put it on your work, that also defined the, uh, the original aesthetic of the films, which you're following on from. I think Ryan Johnson, I mean, firstly, he nailed it in terms of that, but everybody knows that, well, <laughs> most people, that the last Jedi is stunning to look at. It is one of the most beautiful films to watch. And like you said, a lot of that is down to the kind of anime uh, influences that has and those Japanese influences as well. And I don't think that's a coincidence. No, I don't think that's a coincidence at all, at all. And um, the fact that Ryan is such a fan of these these projects, these pieces of art, you know, you can really see that come off in episode eight. There's no two ways about it. You know, Matt Boy, we've mentioned anime, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to go back to the source of this conversation. I'm going to go back to my brother. And, you know, again, big shout out to him for, for really educating me on this because one of his favorite uh, Japanese projects of all time is a film called Neon Genesis Evangelion from 1995. And you watch this thing. I remember my brother watching this or, or me watching this with him as well, you know, when I was growing up in the noughties and the 2000s. And, um, my brother even had like one of the models from one of these like fat off robots in it. <laughs> and he, he had that in his room. And then when he moved out, that, that model actually went to his work desk. Nice. Um, yeah. And it's, he still has that thing actually. It's like this purpley green, like fat off robot. Naughty um, but there's a character in that and her name is Ray. And it's spelled yeah. differently, R-E-I, Ray or Rai, but I think, I think it's Ray. But anyway, yeah. oh, when yeah, you no, compare I mean. these two rays to each other, yeah, so Neon Genesis Evangelion to The Last Jedi, there is an extremely similar scene. 
Like <laughs> to the point of, oh my days, that's so weird. So some background. Let me let me describe in short what happens with our Japanese character Ray, Neon Genesis Evangelion, right? So the background is there's this scene and Ray lives in her own little tiny apartment and she doesn't know her past. Now Ray is a clone, one of many Rays, and that's why her hair is blue and she has uh, red eyes. And all the other characters have like the, the normal features. So she stands out, right? Now, Ray has a moment where she's looking for herself, right? And what happens? There's this like vision almost, yeah? And there's this Ray at the front, and then there's all this like mirrored projections of her behind. Does that sound familiar? I think I've watched a film recently in the Star Wars <laughs> franchise which has something like that, mate. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's literally like mirror image, you know, pun intended. <laughs> it's like a quadruple mirror effect. Um, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Like, it's ridiculous how similar these scenes are because they're both about origin yeah. and they're both about, you know, what, like what is what is what am i you know do i need to know my past know my future mm-hmm. yeah and man so interesting proper coinkydink so i sent you a link to that and i don't know what you thought about it but it's interesting in it oh mate it's proper crayfish you watch it and <laughs> i mean the name the name ray jj abrams is also a big fan of uh, Miyazaki and the Ghibli works and Japanese culture. You look at a Ray could easily be uh, Nausicaa, the character from uh, the Valley of the Winds and everything else he did. Kylo Ren's got a big samurai skirt on and he's got a cross guard sword. Mm. I mean, the, the battle of Maz's castle was a big nod to all of that. So JJ uh, Abrams himself wasn't exactly, we, we, we know JJ loves a, uh, loves to plunder the old, <laughs> the old films, but the old nostalgia, but he's also, he also, led in with the force awakens with a lot of Miyazaki references and the last Jedi, like I say, Ryan Johnson, you've mentioned him. He's a massive fan of things like cowboy bebop as well. He's obviously, and I don't think it's a, I don't think it's, yeah, I don't think it's too much of a coincidence to think that he's probably seen, he's probably seen this. He's probably seen this scene. He probably loves it. And it, it, it works into exactly what he wanted. Cause look at the character of Ray in general, but also especially in the last Jedi, as we're doing here, you know, She's Ray from no one. Like even even Luke says, I'm you know I'm just Ray. I'm just Ray from Jakku. I'm a nobody. I'm just here to do this. All you know. And she, she's finding that she wants to find herself. She wants to know who her parents are. She wants to know her place in all of this, as she said. It's and then you see the that, that the scene there in neon. I don't think it's a coincidence. And again, I love the way that Ryan. Again, if if this is is what he did, I'm assuming he he was influenced by this. If not, it is a massive coincidence. But. Uh, I, I imagine he saw that and was like, that's a beautiful image and that would work and it fits. Yeah. And it does in the context of the film, the last Jedi, it does work. Uh, yeah. You know, it doesn't really go anywhere after that. But if you haven't seen uh, Neon, then you're not going to be missing out in terms of like, you're not, you're not missing out any kind of secret squirrel references. No, no, Cause no, it no, looks no, great. No. But yeah, I agree, mate. When, when you brought that up, I was like, do you know what? I think you got it there, man. Yeah. Yeah, and that, again, just credit to my brother because that's one of his favorites. Cowboy Cubby. Bebop. I, I actually uh, grabbed my brother a, a Cowboy Bebop toy, like a, a, a figure, randomly at B&M. 
You know I love B&M bargains. <laughs> we I mean, love in B&M. lockdown, there's not much else to do apart from like have a little browse around like supermarkets and shops. And B&M just randomly gets the most like crazy <laughs> toys sometimes. And they had this like Japanese line of toys. And I actually got uh, the main character. His name escapes me. I got him that figure uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, but another little anime influence or really something that mirrors a scene from anime in the last jedi is actually the opening to the film akira um now you mentioned akira earlier i believe the akira film we're talking yeah, about influence here looper absolutely and there's the the one of the opening i think the opening scene to that is a nuclear bomb going off yeah. and you see it go off and it's just it's just white si- white image and silence and you see this cityscape, this like wind blow through the cityscape. And that's super similar to the Holdo maneuver in The yeah, Last man. Jedi, right? And that's something that is very new to the Star Wars story, right? Nothing like that has ever happened. There's never been a scene like the Holdo maneuver. And seeing that in the big screen, Matty Boy, is hands down, hands down, one of my favorite scenes from all of Star Wars because – when that happened, it was it it was just mental. Like I thought, I I didn't know what to think. I was like, "What?" I, it was just a spectacle. It really, really was a spectacle. The Last Jedi again. It's not everyone's favorite film. Listen, it's not my favorite Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. But The Last Jedi has so many crazy strong moments, and I felt that today, Matt, when I watched it. Yeah. You know, I was like, "Man." This film has some crazy standout moments. Crazy standout it moments. Is quality, isn't it? And I know, like Luke said, it isn't everybody's favourite film. We're not here to convince you otherwise. We know that. We're not here for that. We we like the film. I, I think the film's great. And every time I watch it, I love it more and more. Whilst also admit that there are things in it which are a bit naff. But I love the... It gets me. Gets me, like you say, whether it's these influences from classic film... We, we obviously like the the Kanto bike wings scene with the um, the camera um, going across all the tables. Uh, even even the mirror scene could be a nod to Citizen Kane. There's a scene in um, Citizen Kane when Orson Welles' character Kane he walks in front of these mirrors and this is like he's just projected down the line. Maybe that was something to do with that as well. But maybe because uh, as well, there's sorry to interrupt you there, buddy. No, but no, mate. it's also um, like we mentioned Cowboy Bebop and stuff. And like my brother was even mentioning this week when I told him we were doing this show about the similarities between the Mandalorian and Cowboy Bebop, mm. right? And yeah, yeah. what's funny is when you read into Cowboy Bebop, what was Cowboy Bebop's biggest inspiration? Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. so weird, isn't it? How it, it all goes full crazy. circle. So there's, it, it's likely that a lot of these Japanese properties are also inspired by other cinema and other fairy tales, other oh, mythology, right? You know, it's all. It's all this like fat off storytelling party, really. Well, I mean, <laughs> you, you know, you know the film Your Name, the classic Your Name, uh, bro. You know, I, my friend that, Callum, my friend Callum introduced me to the Your Name, and I was like hesitant. I, I wasn't hesitant, but like he had some friends over for an anime night, and he was like, "Oh, we're watching uh, Your Name." And I was like, "I'm not a big anime head," but I was like, "Okay." But all these guys were, and I walked away from that film thinking, "What? That was yeah. crazy good." Exactly, crazy mate. but yeah go exactly. on sorry mate no so that that um basically could have influenced Raylo, which i'm sure we'll get to in the upcoming weeks because there's a load of things in there 
um, about it. JJ actually owns the rights to a live action remake of that. Ryan Johnson's a massive fan of it. There's a lot of things in that film as well, which I'm going to save um, as well. But uh, again, a lot uh, include like there's films of, and there's a lot of Ghibli film about prince and princesses and things like that, and going to these castles and it's you know very reminiscent of what we get in some of these films and not yeah. literal castles, but um, and. Miyazaki, who, who obviously the head of Ghibli, he he's got this idea called the Kami, which is basically that we live with spirits and gods, but we don't control them. We are not the centre. We are not the balance necessarily of this. And that line is referenced. Ryan references that in the Last Jedi in the scene where Luke's telling Ray, you know, the Force doesn't belong to the Jedi. You know, the Force flows through everything. You know, we just live with it basically. So Ryan even took kind of central themes and ideas out of Miyazaki and Japanese culture and put that into the, and put that into the um, uh, center of his film. Mm. And he Mm -hmm. said, he said, you know, how Miyazaki's films engage with the natural world is what he wanted this film to grasp onto. He wanted that philosophy for like the ecosystem of the planets, especially Akto. He says, and I quote, uh, we observe Luke's harmony with the island, fishing in the seas, traversing the rain-swept hills, and drinking green milk straight from the Thala Sirens, listen later, all the while surrounded by the Totoro-influenced porgs. Mm. So Ryan Johnson's taken, you know, the way that Miyazaki's films car- talk about the natural world, and even think about that scene as well, where Ray's like, you know, light, balance, water, soil, life, death, and all that that's just all about the ecosystem of that planet. And it's so well done. It honestly, they're everywhere. I'm sitting like the, literally the, the, the inspiration from Kurosawa and Miyazaki on these films are on this film. Sorry. is everywhere, but it never, but what I will say is it never stops feeling like a Ryan Johnson film. Right. Ryan Johnson. He, I love his filmography. It gets better and better and better and better. The Last Jedi, even though even though I can't wait for his trilogy, which is still happening apparently, to hope that he's not kind of hamstrung by the Skywalker saga, it still has plenty of Ryan Johnson isms in it, despite obviously the Skywalker saga needs all of these influences from Japanese culture. It still feels like a Ryan Johnson film, man, and I think the way he managed to direct this film is nothing short of of excellent. And I know everyone, not everyone, agrees with that, but. Like the, the the what your brother's been saying as well. The fact that your brother could watch this and immediately see the yeah. uh, similarities, but not say, "Oh, this guy's a hack who's just copied them." I think that's great, man. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Couldn't agree more, man. Couldn't agree more. And I think that perfectly leads us into, you know, one of the most what I feel is one of the most Japanese things about this film, um, and really sometimes in star Wars in general, but really we're going to talk about this last Jedi, uh, fight scene or duel, this battle between Luke and Kylo on crate. Um, Matty boy, you know, it's true that this, this fight stands out really from the rest. You know, this isn't Obi-Wan versus Attic and this isn't Luke versus Vader. This one's different. It feels different. It looks different right now. Matty boy, the way of the sword or kendo mm-hmm. in Japanese is a, is, is an art form. It is a, uh, battling art form done with usually like, uh, swords and it's still practiced in Japan as a sport, you know, akin to, to fencing in many places. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this 
duel between Luke and Kylo on crate is so ridiculously Kendo. Um, but what Kendo allows for, and I think this is really, it's, it's a cornerstone of Japanese, um, culture is, is respect, right? And we kind of see this space between Luke and Kylo, you know? So not only physical space, but almost like emotional space. They are, they are almost opposites, right? Luke appears, he's calm, he's cool, he's yeah. chill. Kylo, he's nervous, man. He's like fidgety. He's all over the place. And he's the first one to move on everything. He like shrugs his cape and stuff. He, it, at first glances, it almost looks like he's super confident. He's not. He's nervous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He just saw Luke get blown up by a <laughs> load of like cannons and survive. What's going on there? What's going on there? Um, so there, there's a lot of things in that fight that i want to mention but matty boy what do you think on that battle between kylo and and luke on crate man it's stunning to look at isn't it it is stunning to look at There's, it is one of those scenes where you could the side-on shot of kylo with his saber extended luke just staring back as well it's man that that's kind of like right let me just put that on my wall because it's stunning it's a beautiful piece and again the, the the out the outrageous color of this film of this scene sorry but it's also kind of like this muted feel to it and it is deep rooted in those japanese um films of old they're even if you've even got like smoke rising behind them and it's just unreal but in terms of the kendo references of yes man like you said discipline it's about discipline it's you know it's respect and discipline Though as the fight goes on, Kylo doesn't show a lot of respect because he wants to just hack Luke into pieces. Yeah, but it's an opening sign. It's you don't just rush in to start with. You almost you almost get into your like your starting position, and the other person does the same, and you look at each other in the eyes, and you might as well you might as well touch gloves before you fight. In this instance, like Kylo shows his petulance and his like, pure but raw anger at going for Luke. Yeah. Um, but man, the again, also obviously Kylo having that cross guard really does sell it as well. But it's the kendo influences here are just uh, honestly, it's just a brilliant. The scene in itself is brilliant, but when you realise where it's come from and how Ryan has taken that, shaken that up a bit, put his own spin on it, but still has still has the foundations of which he built it on. Yeah, bit from because it's so it's still good. almost like it's still almost like turn based, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, it's mad. It isn't like, you know, it just isn't like the other jewels. It is almost this turn-based, right? You go, then I go, then you go, then I go. But except really it's Kylo just going at it all the time. And Luke's just almost pass and go. It's like he's playing a card game and he's going, right, put that down, lay down some cards, pass, right? I'm not attacking. And yeah, that, and you see that throughout the jewel. What's crazy, Matt, and you mentioned the colors of Crate earlier, oh. right? And how that, that, that Ryan could have chose those from other, um, projects, really. Um, but something that, um, I was talking to Arley about today when I was watching The Last Jedi. Arley, we found out you say that every time I say my wife's name now, didn't you? You, you repeat do. it in a, even in Saul person, Guerrera voice. Even in Arley, person. Holy. 
Go back yeah. to like episode 16 or something like that to find out why, by the yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you, what's crazy, right? So you, Crate has like a white salt coating and all you need to do is tread on it slightly and then the red appears like the the earth below appears almost right that to me that's almost symbolic of like the the, the scars being like itched at again scabs being picked off again right Interesting. revisiting these old wounds these old damaged parts of kylo's life you know, that this is something that has to happen. And there's so much symbolism in this fight, you know, like why does Luke use the blue lightsaber? Well, it's because he's actually gone back and accepted Ray's invitation for help in the first uh, act of the last Jedi. You know, he's gone back and said, yes, I will come and help. Yes. And Kylo wanted that saber. And Kylo wanted that saber precisely, precisely. And, it's there's so much on this fight there's so much on this fight and despite uh, i end up saying this all the time you know the reason luke is in the position he is he's in is because he went he was over his nephew with a lightsaber ignited yeah and he he thought he was going to save a lot of lives by killing him now, what that did was that caused, or, or debatably, it created a monster. It created Kylo Ren. Ben Solo died. What's interesting about this scene is that we know now, especially as the audience, and you know a few seconds later down the line of the film, that there was no way that Luke could have even hurt him with a blade. You know, he, Kylo was safe. He was completely safe. Once again, this is that that true Jedi form, that peaceful form. You know, no one's getting hurt. No one's getting hurt. It, that's true Jedi. Yeah. And once again, it's that respect, isn't it? Because Luke is giving his life for a greater cause. Once again, Luke is saving the world, the galaxy, the universe, once again, because of his... His selflessness. Yeah. So it's crazy, man. Yeah, Luffy Paul's now with it. Yeah, Carlo's face, fighting himself, basically. Carlo's fighting his own de- inner demons on that kind of like almost like hellish wasteland that Crate became when he tried to destroy his uncle. And it's it's great. And the, the duel is raw, it's rough and ready, but there's so much more to it. Like the emotion behind it. And then I like, see you around, kid. That's something that Han Solo said. Yeah, it, just everything about that scene, but the backdrop and the influences around surrounding it, it just it is just every score of whipped cream on that Vicky sponge. That's what it just makes it even better each time. And honestly, mate, honestly, to what the way that they end that film with, with obviously it goes on further, but the, to end it with this that big set piece uh, and for those inspirations, this isn't Ryan palming off Kurosawa or palming off. Lucas, it's him doffing his cap to his inspirations and saying, "Look, I love what you've done there. Let me have a go as well." Yeah, and did he do it, man? I get, and I hate saying this, and you guys are going to go, "Oh," but we know not everybody thinks that. But I do. Yeah. I think yeah. he's a job and a half, man. And next time you watch the Last Jedi, you know, you the listener, watch the facial expressions of Luke and Kylo during this duel. 
Yeah. Mm. And, and again, that kind of echoes like a lot of samurai fights and a lot of kendo in, in Japanese cinema or international cinema even. But watch their faces because Luke is super confident. But there's also a moment where I think it's, it could even be the first strike. Uh, Kylo goes to swipe him and then he quickly like reverses his saber and gets him back. Now that catches Luke off guard. Luke's like shocked at Kylo's ability. Yeah. And what, when Kylo does that, it is a mad move, right? The He's switch angry, around man. and stuff. It is a mad move. Luke looks shocked. He looks surprised. He's like, whoa, man, like this kid, this kid ain't plan around you know i just got out of that that. yeah i just got out of that but even even then there's a moment again when kylo actually does strike luke down he does he before he turns around and sees that luke is still there in one piece before that there's a moment where kylo looks like well this is what i've been waiting to do for years and years and years maybe even the best part of a decade i've been waiting to kill my uncle the Skywalker, Luke. And it's like his face is like, oh, is that it? Like you know, Tom. it's like, oh, that's not how I thought I'd feel. Almost like what he did in The Force Awakens when he killed his father. Crazy man. Facial expressions. Very cool. Honestly. That Ren, uh, as in Blilo, Ren, has he covered all that? Honestly, check it out. The, the Japanese influence across this film is unreal from Kurosawa to Miyazaki to potentially yeah, to, to uh, going into the subcult like your name, uh, Akira, stuff like that is, it, it's unreal. And it's, I think it's done so well. And the sequel trilogy as well benefits from it because uh, Abrams is a fan of some of these films as well. And he's clearly used his inspiration as well. Look, Rebels has taken a lot of inspiration. Dave Filoni is a self-confessed huge fan of Studio Ghibli and Miyazaki. Yes. There's an awful lot in rebels and you mentioned amanda earlier on i wouldn't be surprised to see more coming out we had the fight between ahsoka and that woman that she fought i can't remember her name now yeah, on yeah, corpus yeah. Um, oh Canada. man well japanese yeah yeah that was i mean even that i mean that was like you know how much can you get and it was just stunning oh, yeah. that's just so good yeah. but it was what it was what ready yeah so good yeah that's it's it Mandalorian. we weren't going to go an episode about that's danny it. boy um but honestly the japanese you go on youtube and there are tons and tons of tons of kabuki performances on youtube which is a japanese dramatic dance but they are recreating the star wars films there is one for the last jedi and it just highlights the japanese love for the franchise which has been there for the beginning and it's so good to see isn't it mate absolutely mate it's beautiful and it's beautiful to see how this international story like star wars that that you know resonates with so many different people is from so many different people and cultures i think that's lovely Hi, this is Alex Damon from Star Wars Explained, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. 
What a discussion! <laughs> what a discussion that was, you naughty boy. So, uh, yeah. thankfully, the Essex Falcon has touched down outside our favourite dusty drinking bar, the Bantina. Luke, I've only got one question. Shall we? Oh, let's do it. <sighs> As we do each week, we've uh, we sit down with you guys, the greatest listeners in the galaxy, and we have a couple of Kef beers. And usually we get your thoughts and our main discussion, but for this week, we wanted to shake it up a bit. In this instance, for those who follow our socials, we wanted you to caption an image of Luke Skywalker grimacing whilst enjoying some delicious green Thala Siren milk. And we've got some decent responses, and here's some we liked. Yeah, we got loads and loads and loads of comments, and a lot of them were banterlicious. But here's a couple. Sean Hudson said, where's the steak bake? Where's the steak bake? Imagine that. And that's accurate because of the Greg's, you know, love. That that's we what Luke's like when he's only got chicken bakes there. Do you know what? I don't want the chicken bakes either. But I prefer them. <laughs> it, it, it's, honestly, it's like a toss-up. Sometimes I'm like, do I go for a steak bake or a chicken bake? I sometimes buy both of them. <laughs> <laughs> do you really? <laughs> yep. I, if I have like a steak bake, I usually get a sausage roll on the side. Ooh. Or like a chicken bake with You know me, mate. You know, if I'm getting a burrito, I'm getting a taco on the side, yeah? Yeah. If you wait to the Revenge of the Sith commentary, guys, it will be the a feast of and also. We're going to get a takeaway and also as well. So and don't worry about it's like I, well I did that. I did that the other week. A few weeks ago, we went to McDonald's for the first time in a while. I had this like chicken mm. burger, dude. And I also. got a cheeseburger on the side. Oh, you got to. You could double cheeseburger to. or standard, yeah. Matt, it would be rude not to. Um, up next, we got another naughty little comment from our boy, local boy, legend Josh Glava, who said this. So, picture it, guys. Luke's face. Ugh. Spicy in, spicy out. <laughs> Figure that one out. <laughs> we'll leave that to your imagination. That green milk will, yeah. you know. Toilet humour. Yeah. Toilet yeah. humour. We love we're, it. We're, on the we're not above a bit of toilet humour, are we? Um, fly, also flying a flag for the UK. Our boy Johnny Orm from my Star Wars Life Debt podcast offered. And he said, play the best song in the world or I'll eat your souls. Hashtag act tenacious D. Yes. Uh, Cam Ray said, it's people. Silent Green is people. If you've seen that film, you'll understand that reference. And it's brilliant. Well done, Cam. And my dad, Dave Hudson, wanted to get in on the act. And he said, simply, more roughage. (laughs) Hudson banter. (laughs) Oh, we love it. We love it. Yeah, you naughty boy. Thank you, everyone, for sending in your captions. We got through so many. Some we couldn't put on a show, but we had a good laugh with them anyway. So <laughs> yeah, do keep sending great. in your captions, your comments, your voice messages, and we will definitely endeavour to get him on recent, uh, sorry, future instances of the Bantina. For extra content, go to patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. You know it's going to be so good best podcast best podcast we love it we love it we love to hear dan sextoni's tones because it's the best part of the show it's the patreon question section of the bantina where we answer patron questions matty boy i'm so excited for this one um to start us off is someone we adore 
the king of Kansas, the naughty boy from the north. He's not from the north, but you know that works. Let let me let me off, okay? Um, let's hear it. It's Jimmy Adams. Hey, Matt and Luke. It's Jimmy from Kansas. Uh, first, I wanted to know: Does anyone ever say Luke and Matt? Um, seems unnatural, you know, dark side type stuff. Anyways, I hope you guys are doing well. Um, just going through a rewatch of my favorite Rebels episodes over spring break. Just watched the episode where Kanan uh, meets the, the Bendu. And uh, here's my question. Is this the first appearance of a so-called great Jedi? Where do you two land in the idea of a group of force wielders that fall in the middle of the light in the dark? I honestly thought that the end of the rise of Skywalker that Ray was going to create the Skywalkers, and they were going to be this very thing, a new order of Jedi that can have a true balance in the force between the light and the dark. Uh, anyways, can't wait to hear what you guys think and stay spicy, gentlemen. <laughs> Unnatural. It's a spicy one to get us going. And what about that, my boy, Luke and Matt? <laughs> also, Luke and Matt is a lot like the Bross brothers as well. The Goss boys, Luke, Luke Goss, Matt Goss. Yeah, it sounds better, right? It's almost like if you put it all together and put an accent on it, and Mataluka. Well, Luke and Matt. Yeah, I guess Luke is aid, Luke and Matt, Matt and Luke. It just it works Mataluka. like that. It is. It's like Lennon McCartney. Um, I'm trying to fix some other ones now. Jagger and Richards. Lennon McCartney. Mm. McCartney Lennon. Mm. Nah, I'm I like. I like a, a Mataluka. <laughs> There's your answer to that, mate. Yeah. What do you reckon to the question, though, Matty boy? Um, I love those episodes, mate, with the Bendu. I'm the mm. one in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Quinlan Voss would take the first appearance because Quinlan Voss literally did go between both light side and dark side. He was light side as a Jedi, then he turned to the dark side, then he came back to the light side to try and save Asajj Ventress in Dark Disciple. Um, so I think Quinlan Voss may have the title of like canonically the first one. It's probably others, but I'm, th- I'm thinking about ones that people may have heard of. What do I think? I don't mind the idea. But I would just prefer them to be called Force users. I don't like the name Grey Jedi because, like Luke said, you know the Force doesn't belong to the Luke Skywalker. The Force doesn't belong to the Jedi. So I, you know, just they're just Force users. They've got no affiliation. They're not Sith. They're not Jedi. They're not anything else. So they can they they flip between the both. But more importantly, they learn all aspects of it. Like Palpatine seduced Anakin with, he learned all aspects of the Great Mystery. To learn the dark side and the light side would make you essentially a, a grey in the middle. Yeah, I almost said grey Jedi. Shot myself in the foot. That would make you an all-round force user. You know both sides, and you can wield both sides. So I don't mind. I'm quite interested mm. in the idea of it. I just don't want them to be called grey Jedi's. I'd rather them just be called a force user. You know, somebody who is proficient in you know what we know as a light side and dark side techniques. I mean, I'm for that. Cause, uh, you know what? I think it could have some interesting um, storytelling potential. Do you know what I mean? Like if yeah. somebody is proficient in both sides and, and a certain event happens, which way do they go? I think it could be quite interesting and it would be a way of shaking up, not the franchise, but, you know, they might release a film and the, the protagonist might be a grey force user. I'd like that, man, because you, you kind of kept on your toes a little bit, but... So I, I think Quinn Voss may be the first, but what do you think, mate, about the idea in, of like, people in the middle? In, in, in short, I don't believe in Grey Jedi. I don't think that's a thing, right? Because even with um, Quinlan Voss, you know, he went bad, but then he went good. Yeah, right? So he won in the middle. 
He went bad, then he went good. Yeah, you're a good shot, mate. There's no, there's no middle, right? <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> especially when there's an affiliation. So the Jedi are good and the Sith are bad, traditionally, right? And it, it, it doesn't matter if the Jedi are doing a poor job or the Sith are doing a poor job, i.e. prequel era, yeah? The Jedi were doing a poor job, allowed the Sith to do a good job, yeah? That doesn't matter. The Jedi's intentions were good. The Sith's intentions were bad. What, what does something in the middle look like of intentions? What? So you want to, I don't know. In my head, a grey force user is leaning towards something of neutrality maybe mm-hmm. and i you know i've i've mentioned that the jedi should have been a lot more and what well, we've mentioned especially in our uh, failures of the jedi episode go check that out sick episode um after this of course um we mentioned that maybe the jedi should have been no not maybe the jedi should have been norm- more neutral in their approach to the politics of the mm-hmm. galactic landscape right it literally war, yeah. would have saved them yeah, but they didn't. They got involved and they almost became foot soldiers of the Republic. That's not what the Jedi are for. Nevertheless, something in the middle, I, I, I'm not entirely sure what that means, really. And, and Bendu can kind of get away with that because he's a creature. Yeah, he's, he's a mythical being. Yeah. With humans, it's different. Humans operate differently. So it's more complicated. I feel like uh, I, I love Bender and it's fascinating how they do that. And I'm sure like a, a tremendous writer could work wonders with something like this. But, you know, funnily enough, this question did make me think of The Last Jedi when I heard it from Jimmy, uh, Matty Boy, just like you've said. Snoke, darkness rises and light to meet it. Yes. Yeah. That is so true. That's so true, and we don't know if that's the force or not. You know, the force doesn't isn't isn't a thinking thing, right? It's not necessarily a being, and yet darkness rises and light to meet it. What does that mean? Does that mean there's always going to be a cycle of something rising and, and darkness to meet it, and vice versa? It goes on forever, and you can't have one without the other. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's more about if something is leaning too much one way. And Matty Boy, you know I'm a historian. Yep, love it. I love a bit of history. Um, That's very true, actually. When something leads too much some way, usually it allows something else to counter it and it shoots up in popularity. Now, I'm not sure if this counts, really. I know we're a non-political podcast but a little fact is socialism was extremely or communism as well was extremely popular in germany in the 1930s certainly communism yeah yeah. right and yet fascism rose and right wing beliefs rose to counter that yeah And, and those those socialists didn't disappear those beliefs were still there they were just suppressed and you know when you look at other countries the same thing happens on the other side, yeah? It's a very tricky thing to try and balance, yeah? And so this is why I'm saying I'm not sure. Going down a route like that, I think, actually opens a can of worms of right and wrong. Because at the end of the day, Star Wars is about right and wrong. And Star Wars generally is is a story about, well, goodness can come from anywhere. And... You, if you can do good, you try and do good. 
at the end of the day. So that's my thoughts. Maybe, maybe, maybe we got a bit deep there, but um, it's a great question. Flipping great question. You're breaking my heart. You're going down a path I can't follow. Um, <laughs> no, spot on. Yeah, Jimmy, mate, it? we'd love to hear your thoughts on that, mate. What do you think? You've, you've given us the question. There's our answer. What do you think, Jimmy, you tank of a man? And everybody else out there, you know, would you, what are you fans of the ones in the middle? For those who don't affiliate light or dark, what do you think? about that are you, would you like to see them incorporate and assimilated more within the franchise or are you quite happy with the kind of you know you have a light side or dark side um jimmy thank you very much for that mate and our next one is from our favorite gal from across the ocean commander lara mailuran she said happy mid-march boys so this question may be a tad bit open-ended but if leia and luke could swap places as babies i.e leia ended up on tatooine with beru and uncle owen and Luke ended up with the Organas and Alderaan, how differently do we see things happening from New Hope going forward? Do you think their paths would have crossed a different way? Or would Bailu just send his son on a diplomatic mission? Diplomatic mission? Wink, wink. Thanks, guys. And stay milky. Well, Lara, we are very milky. So thank you very much for that. And we hope you are too. We hope all our listeners are milky. But uh, I, like, I like this question an awful lot, mate. Imagine if Leia was a farm girl and Luke was a prince. How do things play out? Do we still get the same story or are we getting something completely different, man? Well, I suppose the answer is trying to figure out how much of someone's personality is environmental and how much of it is, you know, from their inner selves, you know, because environment plays such a big part into, you know, shaping someone. Um, So there's a good chance that it wouldn't be too different to be honest and leia might would end up being quite similar to luke and and the other way around what i would say is that leia is maybe a bit more gutsy and like her mother yeah yeah and luke is a bit more whiny (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) but but also luke is he's a he, he he fixes things doesn't he like his dad when he's frustrated and when he's when he's doesn't know maybe what to do about what he goes and he fixes stuff, um, and Leia's a bit different. Leia, I, I'd say Leia's probably more of a people person than than Luke, and that generally those kind of traits aren't always environmental. They're a lot more deep seeded into into a person. So. I don't know that that could look really different. In fact, I'm tempted to say Luke Leia might have actually been a bit more invested in some sort of career or activity in Tatooine, possibly even joining some sort of rebellious uh, activity on Tatooine. And it, I think Luke would be more of the complicated one. You know, what would he look like in a privileged household? You know, I don't know. Maybe he wouldn't be that bothered about what's going on. But then again, Bale, his dad, would be, you know, teaching him, you know, what's right, what's good for the galaxy, I suppose. So, yeah, I I, I suppose in a way, I, I'd, I'd say Leia's probably more likely to be affected. What about you, mate? What are you saying? Yeah, she's got the brains of the operation. I think Luke would benefit from Bale's advice. Who wouldn't? But Luke would always be like Anakin still, hot-headed, rash a bit whiny that's just luke leia well firstly leia would probably increase the output of the moisture farms because she's got brains she'd find a way to sell that uh, and make it big 
But it is such an interesting what if, isn't it? Because firstly, imagine Luke as a prince. The the 2015 Star Wars Marvel line did have him dressed up as a prince for a bit before a force-sucking vampire held a massive ball. Yep, that's what you got in those comics. Yeah. And it was naff. <laughs> but, um, so I, it's interesting. I think we know Leia is more of, like you say, she's more of a people person. She's more worried about the welfare of others. And this is based on what we know now. So she's more interested, whereas Luke is, Luke's not quite as forward-thinking and direct as Leia. So I, th- I think we'd see a massively different story. I do as well. I, d- I think Luke would, Bail would shape, and Brayheart Organa would shape Luke into a res- you know, respectful young dude, young prince. But I still think, I think he'd be more, have more self-interest. I think he'd be more, mm. you know, what can I get out of this? What's in it for me type of thing? Whereas Leia's a lot more, you know, how can I help the galaxy? She wants to help people, the oppressed. She knows her position and she wants to use that to make the galaxy a better place. I see Luke with a bit of, you know, some, some bit of golden robes and a bit of, bit of fancy food and a bit of money. I see him being a, like Anakin. Anakin essentially just wanted power. Yeah. I see Luke being like that. I don't see him rushing to save the galaxy. And I don't mean to say he'd be a bad guy. I just think he'd be a bit more self-absorbed and have his self-interest also. Would... Uh, would would Bale send him on a diplomatic mission? I think he would because Bale. That's what Bale did. Bale would get him involved. Person. Get him involved. Yeah. Get him involved. Obviously, then it depends. We know that Leia got involved. We saw seen her in Rebels and other things. She got involved. You know, she was working for the rebellion. Low key. Would Luke do that? And if not, would he be willing to go on this diplomatic mission? I honestly think we see a different New Hope. I don't know how. It would, maybe it would be like the. Um, the dream sequence in Jason Fry's The Last Jedi novel, another good tie-in, where Luke basically didn't join the he didn't join the rebellion. The droids were captured by the stormtroopers. What would life be like? Luke basically lives in the he's still a moisture farmer. He marries Cammy from the, from the, the deleted scenes, and you know he sometimes thinks, oh, you know, I wonder what those droids are carrying type thing. Mm. Could it be like that where you know Luke just carries on being a prince and the Empire takes over and Alderaan's left alone because there was no diplomatic mission. That's interesting, mate. That's so interesting. And it's a great question. It is a great question. It goes to show how, you know, that that choice by Obi-Wan, maybe in this story, wasn't just Obi-Wan's choice. You know, and with um, Bale as well, I mean, you know, with, with everyone's choice to who takes whom, you know, maybe it was the Force. We don't know. We don't What's know. It, mate? Honestly, great questions. Thank you very much for that, Jimmy. Thank you so much for that, Lara. Uh, We'll be back again next week with a couple more Patreon questions and with your thoughts on next week's main discussion. But bartender, sorry about the mess, but we are going to be coming back again this time next week for the Bantina. Star Wars Sessions game! Bum, 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 oh. Game! Hello guys, my voice went really high there. It's the Star Wars Sessions game. We end every show with a game, and this week is my turn to host. Luke, would you like to know what on earth you're playing this week? I really want to know. 
Here we go. Right, this game, we've played it before, but this time there's a caveat. It's called Who Would You Rather and Why? So I'm going to give you a situation, two characters. You've got to tell me who you'd rather be stuck in that situation with. But this time I want to know why. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so DJ, hit the music. Here we go. Okay. Who would you rather be stuck in a lift with and why? Would you rather be stuck in a lift with Asajj Ventress or Kazuda Ziono? Kazuda, because Asajj is going to straight up murder me. Next. Yeah, that's straight up. Straight up. <laughs> Who would you rather make cocktails with? Newt Gunray or Sheev Palpatine? Oh, Papa Pouts. He loves a drinking session. He loves it. So I reckon I'll be like, oh, I'm just like adding some lemon zest and he'll be like, have you ever heard of the tragedy of the upside down martini? I'm like, no, I haven't. But it sounds interesting. He'll be like, mm, yes. And before you know it, we're down the pub. So that's well, like you're hammered with Sheevy. Yeah. Old lightning fingers. <laughs> lightning fingers. <laughs> White lightning. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Who right. would you rather play tennis with? Would you rather play tennis with Shmi Skywalker or Greedo? Um, probably Shmi, because at least I can understand her. Greedo would be well annoying, wouldn't he? He needs a slap around the face, Greedo. Oh, jab, play Walker. Yeah, slap. What, mate? Say it again. Yeah. Mug. Shmi, every day, every day. We love a bit of Shmi. Who do you rather make an Ikea wardrobe with? Commander Cody or Mon Mothma? Ooh. Cody. Commander Cody. Easily. Yeah, because he's he just knows how to follow order. He can, he'll just read it and it'll be done in a me- like in a minute. Do you know what I mean? I'll be like, right, do you want a coffee, mate? He'll be like, yes, please. Well, no worries. I can do that for you, man. Dittoine coffee. Um, yeah. Who would you rather make pizza with? Isla Secura or General Hux? Isla Secura. Why? Every day. She's better than Hux. <laughs> Hux is well yeah. annoying. If he's, <laughs> if, he's, if he's not scary in The Force Awakens, he's an absolute melt in episodes eight and nine. So, Isla Secura. Yeah, that's an easy one. Yeah, that was simple. Well, I knew that one. Who would you rather play chess with? Puggle the Lesser or Zori Bliss? Probably Zori, you know? Yeah. Just be like, Zori, where'd you get that sweet helmet? Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we can't understand. He just clicks and clacks. Yeah. He, need, he needs a slap as well. He does. He needs a lightsaber. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, Who do you rather take dance lessons with? Uncle Owen Lars or Uncar Platt? Plutt? Oh, um... <laughs> Hang on. Owen, Owen's Luke's dad, isn't it? Luke's uh, he's, dad. He's Uncle Owen, yeah. Uncle Owen Uncle or Uncar Platt. Not, um. Yeah. Uh, uh, probably Uncar Platt, actually. <laughs> yeah. I reckon Uncar Platt loves it. He loves a bit of reggae. Yeah, is that your puts on Puts on a bit of rhythm. And I'm like, yeah, mate. Uncar Platt's going to be just there, like, raving. Yeah. That's what I reckon. That's what he'd say if someone tried to take you as their dance partner. That's mine! That's it. Um, <laughs> That's it. Who would you rather play Twister with? Lando Carizian or Poe Dameron? Um, probably Lando, because I could get some sweet, sweet Carizian Chronicles right there and then, you know. Oh, what have we here? Red, red uh, arm, huh? <laughs> that reminds me of the time in the moor. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've got two more for you then. Who would you rather learn to sing with? Grand Moff Tarkin or Chirrut Imwe? Oh, Chirrut Imwe. 
Yeah. You could just like take what half of what Chirrut does and auto tune him. You know, are you convert? I'm blind. <laughs> I'm one with the force, and the force is with me. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, you could get a little like garage session going. <laughs> And all those yeah, blasts are firing at him when, when he's going for the master switch. You can make a tune out of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, and it remix the sound of his death even. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, the explosion that that got him. We can make yeah. that into like the opening bars. Cheeky sample. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. See you later, Chirrut. Um, and the last one. Who would you rather take part in an escape room with? Director Krennic or Saw Gerrera? Oh. That's a hard one. Probably, oh, I don't know. Who would get on my nerves the most? Probably Saw would get on my nerves. (gasps) Shut up. Get the clues, Luke. Shut up. I bet then Krennic would be screaming at you. Shut up, Saw. Yeah, but I know Krennic's going to be like, he might be a bit shouty. I'll probably learn something from him. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's a smart guy. Saw Guerrero, I don't even think he knows what's going on. You don't know what's going on. He's mental, mate. He's lost the plot. And he Saw's. just like... Uh, he, oh, no. Go home. Where's Hadley? That's my line. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Matt, Matt comes in from the ceiling, spears him. Bang. Drink over your head, spear. Drink over your head. Pint. You are finished. That's it. You thought Jed had got you. Wait till you meet me. Um, yeah, Krennic looks cool. Saw Guerrero's a bit unkempt, so I agree with you, mate. But that is the Star Wars Sessions oh. game. Who would Luke rather be in a situation with and why there we go it's a good one it's a good one and now you know me deeper as a person so yes we know that whenever Ayla Secure comes up Luke chooses her yes so you now know that fact he's blue yeah. double dee double die so that yeah. was the game <laughs> for E107 episode 107 of Star Wars Sessions we hope you enjoyed our our little look at Japanese influences on The Last Jedi and Star Wars as a whole however that is that for this episode of Star Wars Sessions, but the fun does not end there. No one's ever really gone. Where can the world find us, Master Blywalker? They can find us at starwarsessions.co.uk. Search for us on social media. Just such Star Wars Sessions will be there on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, the lot. And feel free to drop us a message or a voice note to hello there at starwarsessions.co.uk. Yeah, and shout out to all our YouTube followers who found us anonymously on there. Nice one. Uh, we're also on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Podcasts. Everywhere in the galaxy you can find a pod, you'll find us there. And if you love what you've just heard, please consider leaving us a good review on your podcast provider of choice. Chuck us five stars. Head on over to podchaser.com, the IMDB before costs. Do the same there. Drop us a review. It helps us more than you know. It helps us grow. And we get to engage with you guys, the greatest listeners in the galaxy, every week. And that's what keeps the show going. So thank you. We love to hear them spicy reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. Every uh, Apple Podcast review we get, um, Matt eats a Reese's chocolate bar. So Yep, that's what I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, and he loves it. He loves it. And please, yeah, see, hear that? And me as well. <laughs> I have Reese's as well. Um, sponsor us yeah please and greg's please please. and please tell all your star wars friends about us tell your mum tell your dad tell your mates tell your cats tell akira 
Tell your Ewok, tell your cousin, the more the merrier. That castle's spicier. Tell the Hershey company who manufacture Reese's that this is the podcast you're looking for. So until next time from me, see ya, and from Luke. May the force be with you always. Luke, Reese's. Reese's, Luke. Giant Ronson. Essex-based podcast heroes... You know, Star Wars is like the original Star Wars. It's so ubiquitous now. It's easy to forget how weird the original one was and what a weird <laughs> genre mashup it was. Tell that to Kanja Club. <laughs>